Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 72 of SAMA, a program which invites an area. <laughs> hey, let's start that one again. Hi, everyone. That was my muck up. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 72 of SAMA, a program which invites an expert to talk about their area of expertise. And this week, we are delighted to have Richard Gordon to talk to us about quantum touch. Richard has 40 years of experience in the field of energy medicine and is the founder of the Quantum Touch organization. He is the best-selling author of Quantum Touch, The Power to Heal, now published in 17 languages. Enjoy Healing Hands, The Polarity Experience, available in 10 languages. Richard was faculty at the Hartwood and Holistic Health Institute and has traveled around the globe to speak at medical centers, conferences and chiropractic colleges. Richard, welcome to our show. Hey, it's a great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Well, to have had a book translated into 17 different languages, that must be a book in high demand. Can you please tell us a little bit about this book? Well, Quantum Touch, The Power to Heal, teaches people a very easy way to be able to raise their own energy system to accelerate their own self-healing, but we create a field of this energy that's been called chi in China, ki in Japan, prana in India. We use this energy, we focus and amplify it without any woo. There's no belief system, there's no magic symbols, there's no attunements, there's none of that woo. We just use breathing, body awareness, intention, and love to raise our own energy. And then when your energy is raised, we surround the part that needs healing on yourself or another person, like say I'm holding their shoulder. We use a very complicated method called the where does it hurt technique, where you ask a person where it hurts and you sandwich it between your hands. And you can actually feel the vibration and the sensations in your own hands changing, which kind of tells you sort of what's happening inside them then their body intelligence uses that energy the way it wants to do the healing. So they are in effect healing themselves. You're giving them a little boost of energy for their own self-healing. And we like to say that all healing is ultimately self-healing because it's their cells that have to get well. And I don't know anything about how to heal somebody else's cells, but I do know how to hold an energy field to allow their body to do its own self-healing. And one last thing to, before this little intro is over is I like to say the definition of a healer is someone who was sick and got well. And a great healer is someone very sick who got well quickly. So we see a lot of great healers. Wow, wow. As I said, you know, before the seven, I'm gonna definitely buy one of your books and, and uh, learn more. Now, for something which sounds on the surface to be so simple yeah why isn't it common knowledge why was it why why was it discovered by yourself and not prior to that used by well, it may have been discovered many times over many centuries maybe thousands of years old but we don't know because the traditions or the history was lost this is such basic human information. I feel that every parent 
grandparent and child would want to know how to do this. Even if you don't want to become a certified practitioner or instructor, six or 12 days out of the year, it's the most valuable skill that you can have because when a loved one is suffering, there's something that you can do. And it has such a wide range of applications. So it really is a basic human skill. But as we were chatting about before we went on, when is something is so far outside the box that can't be explained by physics or logic, then it simply gets dismissed by the authorities who poo-poo it and downgrade it. And even the, quote, police at Wikipedia have to say everything like Rife machines and chiropractic and Reiki and every kind of therapeutic modality out there, they've got the thought police who immediately erase all the listings on anything that's alternative. And so they're enforcing us to not know about certain things. And it's a little bit difficult to break through the invisibility barrier. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so the um, book, that, the, the, let's go back to 1973. This is a very special year for you. And uh, this is at the point where I have to confess, I have watched so many videos. I've actually watched a lot of your videos because I, I, got, I became hooked. Yes. What, ha what happened in 1973 that was important in your life? I think, I think you mean 78, but that's close enough. Oh. Um, in 1978, my first book, Your Healing Hands, was oh. a few months away from publication. Yes. And I was invited to a seminar by this very large, obese, blasé man telling tall tales. And I didn't believe anything he said. Oh, he said, well, I... Uh, you know, there was the time the tumor was the size of grapefruit and it melted away in an hour. And then there was the time the child broke his leg and the bone was, you know, sticking out of the flesh. And an hour and a quarter later, the bone had fused together. And the next day, the child's walking and thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just telling stories. And then he says, oh, by the way, I just touch people and the bones align themselves under my hands. I'm thinking, yeah, sure. Well, my girlfriend gets up to the front of the room. She has a major scoliosis, the S-curve in her spine. And we're all looking at her back very carefully. I didn't really notice how bad it was until I stared at it. Mm -hmm. And he says, well, I just touched the hips. And then they just melted like that. And then he touched the cranial bones right at the back of the head. And they, and they just melted. And the shoulder moved and went up and down the spine very slowly for about eight or 10 minutes. And about half or... 60% of her scoliosis just straightened out like magic. Hmm. And I immediately thought he had a rare gift. I'm never going to learn it. No one else is ever going to learn it. But in the course of the workshop, I could barely perceive that I could do it myself. I apprenticed with him, took over in his retirement, evolved the work radically from where he left off. Um, and now... We've, we just did a pain study recently with a published study with peer review. We saw there were 50 pain conditions in the study. All 50 conditions were very high levels of pain. Mm. That's how we pre-selected the people. Mm -hmm. They had fibromyalgia, arthritis, or accidents. Those are the three main categories of pain that we dealt with. What we saw was 
all 50 pain conditions responded to a single quantum touch session given all around the world by different practitioners. And the average reduction of pain was two thirds. Wow. Now, that's, that's if this were utilized, it could probably prevent the vast majority of, of medically induced opioid addiction. Because if you can bring somebody's pain down by two thirds or more, then they're only going to be taking a small amount of painkiller, even, and they may not even need it because when their pain's down two thirds, they say, yeah, it hurts, but I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And so that's enough to make the difference, but it isn't what the medical establishment wants because they want to sell drugs. They are actually the drug dealers who are selling dangerous drugs. The third leading cause of death is physician error in the United States. And enormous amount of people, I think it's like a million and a half people a year are harmed by taking prescription drugs. Mm. And so we had one of our nurses working in a hospital doing post-surgical pain work with quantum touch on the patients. And the doctor said, you have to stop doing that. And she said, why? He said, well, we can no longer predict how much pain medication to give the patients. Is that your priority? Knowing how much pain medication to give? Or is your priority the well-being of the patient? She didn't say that. And she probably would have lost her job had she said that. Yeah. But this is really the question. Is it all about making money? Or is it about well-being? Mm. Right, right. Well, it sounds like it's all about money. Yeah, it's all about money. Yeah. We just answered the question. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's kind of obvious, really. <laughs> but sad. Yeah, it is. What, it's what, sad. What, what you're presenting now is an alternative to the, um, the, um, the drug dealing that's uh, taking place. And it's also empowering people. And so it's just a knowledge, a skill that, someone, that you're saying that anyone can acquire. Yeah. How how difficult Everyone. how difficult is it? Are there stages you've got to go through to? Oh, it's it's quite rigorous. In the first three hours of a workshop, everybody can move bones into alignment with a light touch. The wow. pain in the room usually goes down fifty percent or more in the first practice sessions that people are giving. It's the most basic human skill that there is to learn. It's the easiest skill that anybody can learn, and sometimes we see things that look like crazy miracles as a result of sessions. I had one class in the first day where a woman hadn't been able to hear through one of her ears since she was a teenager as a result of a drunk driver. And she thought she was just getting her neck pain worked on, but her ear opened up and she could hear out her ear. We had one of my best friends was in a terrible auto wreck driving into London before the sun rose and a lorry was across both lanes without any lights on. And before she hit the brakes, she slammed into the truck and three or four cars slammed into the back of her car and someone managed to get her out of her car before the car exploded. She, uh, about seven years later, she had lost her job and her boyfriend. She couldn't turn her head to the side. The doctor said she's gonna need these painful injections into her neck and spine Mm -hmm. And soon, within six months, she should be confined to a wheelchair. 
she mm. went to the very first quantum touch workshop taught in London. And the person who organized it gave her first practice session to this woman, Deborah. And as a result of like a 20 minute session, she had 90% use of her neck. She didn't have 90% of her pain. She went back to the doctor, showed him the flyer for the workshop. He said, he said you're going to be begging me for injections. He said, no, I, I'm not going to see you again. I'm fine. <laughs> and, he didn't, and he didn't want to know anything about it because, as I was just joking before we started, if Galileo were around today, he'd probably say that cognitive dissonance is a bitch. It hurts people's heads to see something that violates their fundamental assumptions of reality. Mm. But that's what we have. We have a, an important human skill that's being overlooked because it doesn't match people's expectations of what's possible. That's a lot to break, Tegan. Wow. So, well, the doctor was is suddenly out of the equation, so of course it's something that he's not that interested in. But if doctors became self, if they became knowledgeable in quantum touch, then they themselves will be um, broadening their own horizons. But I don't think that, I can't see that happening in any time in the near future. The thing is, is that there is a place for Western medicine. It's just not as big a place. It's really important that they know how to sew fingers on and get a person breathing and do the, the, the emergency care that they're good at. Mm. If somebody has an infection that's spreading through their body, thank God for antibiotics mm. because they've got, let's call it the big guns. They've got the big guns and they're important to utilize. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, but at the same time for many kinds of conditions, they really don't know how to treat systemic problems very well. They're generally ignorant about nutrition. They're ignorant about fasting. They're ignorant about lifestyle. I talked to a guy who had recently graduated from Harvard Medical School, and he said, we have one hour of training on nutrition. That's it. And so they say, it doesn't matter what you eat. Eat anything. It doesn't matter. You are sick. Now eat these pills. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great, isn't it? Now let's go back to the beginning, 1978. Yes. Um, you made that discovery and you be, uh, became in like, um, a trainee to learn more skills and you took over. Yeah. How did you develop it from there? How? Well, yeah. All right. What happened was I knew Bob Rasmussen and I'd go to over his house like almost every evening. I'd watch him work and I'd ask him a thousand questions. And I also studied a lot of metaphysics and I could see principles and understanding. And I had also done a lot of training in yoga and I started putting pieces together and saying, oh, this is the superstition that Bob had about the work, or here's this explanation that doesn't really make any sense. And when Bob was teaching it, he spent a very small amount of time on how you move the energy and a lot of time on hand positions. When I took over, I turned the whole class upside down. 
I made most of the time about how we can build the energy and made very small about the hand positions because if you run the energy well, the energy goes where it's needed. In fact, that's one of the more important techniques. We call it the where does it hurt technique or chasing the pain or sensation. So for example, we had a 13-year-old in one of my classes and he was working on a migraine headache of a professional acupuncturist. And the energy got stronger and stronger in his hands and he could feel it. And then the acupuncturist said, well, it's all moved over to my liver and gallbladder. And so the boy just then moves his hands to work there because she can feel, I, now I feel all the sensation here. The body intelligence gives the information. And then the headache went away because it didn't just need work here, it needed work here. Now, she understood why some headaches were liver gallbladder related, but the 13-year-old didn't need to. He simply knew how to chase the pain from place to place. And sometimes, like if you're working on a sprained ankle, for example, there may be four or five spots on the ankle. You work on this one, okay, that doesn't hurt anymore. Now let's go to pain number two. And that disappears, let's go to pain number three. And so it's incredible first aid. Right. When I was watching the videos of you in the park, you were engaging with the people that you were treating. Yeah. Were you at the same time, while you had your hands on the uh, region of pain, were you yeah. focusing on that body part and drawing? Yeah. Let, me, let me explain. When we're doing this work, the thing that we first teach people to do is how to feel sensation through their entire body. Yes. In other words, if you were practicing piano, you want to be able to play a scale in every key. You want to be able to be fluent in the hands just knowing where to go. Mm. When we're moving the awareness, we want to become fluent in moving sensations through our entire body. There are a series of different breathing techniques we learn. The simplest would be a four-four. Inhale for four, exhale for four. It ain't rocket science. But then we learned how to link the body sensation with the breathing. So when I was working on those people in the park, and by the way, we showed every single person in that video that I worked on. We didn't edit it out and say, oh, we're only gonna show these. Every single person that said yes, that we can work with them, we showed on the video. So anyway, um, what I was doing was I was simply using the breathing and body awareness exercise, focusing on moving the awareness into my hands in waves, waves that link to my breathing. Yes. That's how simple this is, and that's why everybody can learn immediately, because it is so basic to human beings. Gosh, and knowledge that was known, possibly well known, Years and years ago, yeah. gone. It's sad. There was a dark flash going past the camera now. Um, for people that are watching, it's not a pol poltergeist. It's a beautiful black cat, black and white. Yeah, she, yeah, she she likes to be involved, and I think we might <laughs> see her in a few seconds. Starts to go across over behind me. Now, uh, tell me, Richard, what is the difference between quantum touch and Reiki or prana? The difference. Okay, here she is. Okay, this is Devi, D-E-V-I. 
the difference is it's quite significant. And by the way, we have thousands of Reiki practitioners who have learned quantum touch and they've nicknamed it uh, turbocharging the Reiki or supercharging or Reiki on steroids and such names like this. First off, we have no attunements. We have no magic symbols. We have no set hand positions. That's for starters. So I'm not giving you anything you didn't already have within yourself. Another major difference is Reiki people are waiting for the energy to get strong. We don't wait, we bring it. Because of the, we're working the whole time. We're busy doing breathing and body awareness. We're having to really build it up. And some people even build a sweat, moving the energy so strong. One person said it's almost like martial arts or energy healing because we're using our, our intention and our energy very powerfully. Well, Reiki, you know, just think about Hawaii or whatever, just wait for the energy to come. We don't buy that at all. We're bringing it. And the final major difference between this and Reiki is that we don't get tired or drained. You see, the very most important principle of energy healing is resonance and entrainment. That means when two things are vibrating at different frequencies, either the low comes up, the high comes down, or they meet in the middle. With quantum touch, we continually raise our energy higher and higher and higher and higher throughout the session, and the other person just keeps coming up to match us, and we just keep raising ours until eventually they match us, and we never feel tired or drained. I interviewed about 100 Reiki people. Actually, I didn't quite interview them. I was giving a lecture to about 100 people. And I said, how many of you feel tired or drained from time to time? At least half the hands went up. <laughs> and these were third degree and masters and all that kind of stuff. Oh, one other change. We don't have titles. We don't say we're masters. I don't think I'm a master, okay? Maybe my teacher was, but I'm not. But we see people, ordinary people, who pr help propagate the miraculous on a regular basis. In fact, we're about to put out a free ebook soon. And if you get on our mailing list, you'll probably get it pretty soon. These are stories where people worked on animals. And we, have, of course, have the, the dogs and the cats and the horses and the parrots. And we've got those stories. But we've also got um, goats and birds and frogs and lizards and uh, some wild animals and a whole. And these are stories that people send in. These are just anecdotes from hundreds and hundreds of people seeing the miraculous. You know, the bird flies into the window or whatever it is and being able to revive it and, and get it on its way again. There are so many things going on that we like to think that we don't know the limits of what's possible. And that becomes a very exciting thought. If you're not getting tired when you're doing this healing or directing yes. energy, that means you're directing energy from, or does this mean that you're directing energy from not yourself, but from the environment, from the energy of the ether, if you like? Well, yes, that's exactly right. I remember I, was at, I gave a lecture one time at this big expo, and I said, all right, you're not going to know how good this is unless you feel it. So I'm going to give a two, three-minute session to everybody in the room if you want one. So I had this long, long line of people. And I'm giving my two, three minutes. 
<laughs> and this one uh, Chinese gentleman was looking at me and looking and, and about every half an hour, he'd come back and look at me some more. And finally, when I got down to the last four or five people, my energy was getting stronger the longer you work. You don't get drained. You get stronger because now, and I was just touching people and they jump because the energy got so strong. And he said to me, he said, Richard, when you started lecturing, you looked tired. Now you're like super <laughs> energized. Yeah, I've been pulling in this energy. He said, I studied Qigong from masters in China, and they can only work for a short period of time before they have used up their energy. Yes. I said, well, I'm not using up anything. I keep pulling in more the whole time I'm working. I'm always raising my energy the whole time I'm working. Now, yeah, maybe I'm tired and I have to go to bed, but my energy isn't drained. That's the thing. He was so surprised. And I think, incidentally, China is our fastest growing country on earth in terms of interest in quantum touch because they know Qigong is real. They just don't want to spend 15 or 25 years to become good at it. And they can take this workshop and become really good in a weekend. And then they can take an advanced workshop, a level two workshop, where you can work two or three times faster without even touching people. And then they can take the supercharging workshop where you just take it to a whole nother levels. And then if they want to, they can take one I call self-created health. That is my most significant workshop to date because it teaches people how to find and release the emotional causes of health conditions. You see, you can work on a condition and maybe you'll take the symptoms away, but maybe it comes back again. Right. So, maybe 15, 20% of conditions will not be permanently helped with quantum touch. It isn't the answer to the question. The answer to the question is there are significant emotions that we're holding on to that we need to release and heal, find the core, the cause. So it's a simple seven-step process that I can teach in a day. And the first day of the workshop is learning it. And the second day is wrestling with the material and just going over it and over it and just knowing it and owning it. But what it is, is at first, the very first step is what is the emotional cause of the condition? And people don't realize it, but everything about their condition is telling them what the, what the cause is. And I've discovered a series of simple questions. And when you ask these questions, you get 30 to 40 replies. And when you investigate the replies, they're always painting a three-dimensional picture of an emotion the person didn't want to experience. Well, maybe you're experiencing it in your body instead of as an emotion. Yeah. And they get it. Then they own it. That's step one. The second step is obviously release. Once you've been holding on to something all these years, you've got to let it go. Yeah. And that's only the second step. The third step is what I call the dangerous step. Because if you've done if you didn't do the first two steps and you tried to realize, yeah, they beat you up, but you've been beating yourself up ever since. They did it to you, but you've continued to do it to yourself. That remorse and responsibility is what comes next. The knowing that you did it and then feeling the remorse. And when the remorse gets big enough, you move into a place of feeling unforgivable. Hooray, now you're ready for self-forgiveness. 
You can't forgive something you're not responding. If somebody says, well, if I hurt you, I'm sorry. That's silly. <laughs> they don't even know that they hurt you. And they say, well, if, if I hurt you, well, if I hurt you, well, then I would be sorry. Mm. But I just said I hurt, you hurt me. But if I did, no. The ownership is realizing I hurt me. And by going through that process and then doing this, this tremendous self-forgiveness process leads to explosive, overwhelming self-love. And then not only do the symptoms disappear, but people feel grateful for having had the condition. The body had the ability to be sick as, as a communication from their own higher consciousness. And sometimes symptoms just melt away that have been there for 20 years. Mm. And the person feels a level of love they didn't even know was humanly possible. That's exciting. It's, it's like a, a form of emotional freedom technique up to that point anyway. Exactly. We're, we're releasing um, past experiences which were negative to growth or negative to life. <laughs> yeah. And, but it's a matter of taking significant responsibilities and just tapping on something and saying a phrase. Mm. Really going to the core okay. of what has been buried. Mm. You know, there's a, a book title. I never read the book, but I love the title. It said, when you bury your emotions, you bury them alive. And buried emotions are still alive inside of us. And it's kind of like that movie Groundhog Day, where until the guy gets it right, he has to keep doing it over and over again. And you can notice in your own life how you play out these patterns. And as if, as if this experience has your fingerprints all over it. Yes, they're doing it to me again, exactly the way the other people did it to me, a little variation on the theme, but it's still, the reality has your fingerprints all over it. Because it's a self-created reality. We live in a spiritual reality where we're constantly learning how to grow. And we don't want to learn it. We're resisting it, but that's the lesson. And so when we learn to utilize the energy and a higher level of self-honesty, then it frees us to become miracle workers. Wow. What if someone's a skeptic? Well, doesn't matter. Because skepticism plays no place in this and i have had hundreds of fun skeptic experiences one guy at a conference said i didn't want to humiliate you in front of everybody but cranial bones can't be moved i have a phd in physiology and blah blah blah, blah. i said oh i'm so glad to meet you i said the spider to the fly yeah and I said, let's see. And I found a woman whose occiput, no, I think the left side was really high. And I said, what do you see? And he lifts up and he said, left side's high. I said, how high? And he said, at least three-eighths of an inch and it might be more. And I said, that's exactly what I see. Now, now I could just meditate for five seconds and align it. But back then, I didn't know how to do that. Really? So, Without even putting your hands on there, you can just meditate? Oh, yeah. That's the level two work where... <laughs> University of Hong Kong, I demonstrated that I could meditate on a whole stage full of people, and I did it out loud. And first I looked at everybody, then I joined them together into one iconic person, then I meditated on a bone behind their nose and eyes, gave a little mental turn, and it was done, and everybody was aligned. And then, a few years later, I meditated on a coin. 
and then I had everybody on stage hold hands. And I just brushed a couple of hairs of the first woman in line, like, think, and everybody was aligned simultaneously. But that's another story. So the guy measures and he says, oh yeah, it's very high on the left. And I, so I just barely touched the back of the woman's head. And about five seconds later, I said, okay, measure now. And he measures and he remeasures and he remeasures and he remeasures. <laughs> well, it looks even. And I said, well, do you have any interest in studying this? And he said, no, I work no. on amphibians. And then he just turns around and walks away. Like that was the end of our conversation. You could see this tail kind of doing this. As yeah. <laughs> but I, wait a second. You just said this was impossible. I just showed you something impossible and you have no curiosity or interest. Yes. That's, that's what I see. And so it doesn't matter how skeptical a person is. You don't have to believe in the ocean to get wet. You just have to jump in. And I showed him some water and he didn't want any part of it. But I could tell you a whole lot of stories like this. And so it's become a, a source of great amusement and sadness for me. And one final thought on this is Galileo once wrote a letter to Kepler. And he said, my dear Kepler, when the learned steadfastly refused to look through the telescope, what shall we make of this? Shall we laugh or shall we cry? And that's exactly how I feel now. Yeah. It's like it's really funny and it's really sad simultaneously because there are a billion people who could benefit from this work today. Mm -hmm. And so what we need to do is we need to get everybody learning how to use these basic techniques. Like if you know how to ride a bicycle, and there's a bicycle on a beautiful day, that's the greatest thing. You've got the bike, you've got a place to go, this is wonderful. This is like that. Once you learn how to do this, it's yours for life. And on that day when you need it, you have it. But for a lot of other people, this becomes their career. This is their livelihood. They want to share their love with other people. So they learn how to do this work and they give sessions all day or they give classes and they become certified instructors. We've got certified practitioners working now in over 50 countries around the world. This is something, and yet we're pretty much invisible culturally because maybe the world wasn't ready for it yet, or maybe it is. But up to this point, most people have never heard of quantum touch, but here we are, and here you are. <laughs> That's a few questions that come in. Um, well, for, the first one was from Charlotte Garland. Uh, she's a lovely woman who lives in New Zealand. Have you, do you, know, have you ever heard of New Zealand? Yeah. Right? Okay. <laughs> you're, you're the other person who knows about it. <laughs> um, yeah. She's asked a couple of questions. The first one, or oh, three questions, oh, two. But um, if many of our physical issues begin on the emotional, mental level, how does quantum touch address those yeah, yeah. Well, for some people, for a large number of people, they'll have an emotional release in the quantum touch session. Okay. And so a lot of people don't need to release the emotion to feel a tremendous amount of benefit. Yeah. A lot of people are not willing to deal with their emotions, and they'll just get whatever healing they can out of it. Yeah. Some people, they won't get the healing until they deal with the emotions. And that's probably about 10 or 15% of the people. They're just, they're just not gonna get any better 
Yeah. Maybe they'll get a little relief, but then it comes back again. And, and that's where quantum touch is not the answer to the question. Okay. You see, I neither want to oversell nor undersell this. I want it to be exactly right at the middle point where it's what it is. Right. So it's, it's something that, that becomes such a basic skill that you realize almost all the time you're able to provide some benefit and release, relief to people. Is it the final answer? Not always, but sometimes. Actually, often it's a, a very good answer, but it's not the only answer. I'm still very big on nutrition, lifestyle, um, everything that leads to longevity and health. It isn't, there's not just one answer to one question, and I've been studying all that stuff for a long time. I even have a course on the, what I call the art of youthing, how to slow, potentially stop, or even reverse the aging process. And I should let you know, I just turned 70. And there's nothing old man about me because I'm stronger than I've ever been in my life. And I don't feel, I have no pain in my body and I'm on no medications. What? So, You're not taking meds? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah well, I, I just not in the mood to poison myself, you know? No. <laughs> now, let's look. Um, another uh, question. Uh, well, this, one, this is a question from, gosh, where did it go? I think it disappeared. There was a question. Oh, yes. Does quantum touch work to help um, work to fight bacteria or viruses or is it only for pain? No, it, you see, here's the thing. The body heals itself. How does the body deal with viruses, mold, bacteria, fungus, whatever it is the body's dealing with, we have an immune system. Yes. We have, the body has the ability to pretty much heal anything. Mm -hmm. And what quantum touch does is it stimulates the body's self-healing mechanism. Yes. And that's how it works. That we're not doing anything except stimulating your own system to be more effective. Right, right. So really your body doesn't want to be sick. It just needs to have the nudge in the right direction. Yeah, when people have been eating crap food for a long time or they've been really depressed or they've been really harming themselves in one way or another, you give the body a sufficient amount of energy and it kind of overcomes a lot of the obstacles that it was dealing with previously and mm -hmm. it's able to accelerate itself healing. And so okay. that's, that's basically how it works. That's why we see such an extraordinarily wide range of conditions. We're going to have another ebook coming out in a few months after the, the pet one or the animal one which is going to be a couple thousand stories. And they're all organized by what the condition was. People will be able to like fast search and find whatever they're looking for. Of It's the widest range of conditions. I mean, one of the very first people who read my book saw that it was working for obsessive compulsive disorder. And he took a, a man off a few of his medications because by running energy in the guy's head and parts of his, and certain organs, the guy didn't need his medications for obsessive compulsive disorder. We really don't know the limits of what's possible. Okay. Wow. Now, Charlotte's asking the question, which a lot of people will be asking, um, but I'll add to this question, a question of my own. Um, Charlotte's question is how much does it cost to complete 
all the workshops and become certified in quantum touch. See, Charlotte mm. lives in New Zealand. I think that I'm not sure that you have a um, any trained. I think we we do. I haven't looked lately, but it, we keep it we keep it affordable. We have some different prices in different countries. And to be honest, I don't even know what it is anymore because I never look at it. Yeah. But we, we always stay very affordable. We don't price ourselves or it's you know, thousands of dollars for a workshop. We keep it very down so that the instructors can make enough to live on and that the organization can get a little cut of it to keep doing what we do. But no, it isn't, it isn't terribly expensive. And you can go to the Quantum Touch website Okay. And I think the website's in seven or eight languages now. And you can look up locations and practitioners and instructors where you are. And if you can't find an instructor where you are, I'll tell you, there are hundreds of instructors who'd probably like to travel. And if you can organize eight or 12 people, they'll, they'll fly in and, and spend a weekend or two and teach you what you need to know. But the basic class is a weekend, the advanced class is a weekend, the self-created health class is a weekend. We don't make them long and arduous or difficult. They're very straightforward. It sounds good. Um, now, Carmela Walker, she's another long-time supporter of the summer series. Um, she's, um, she says, after a journey to Japan around 10 years ago, um, she developed the ability to smell long distances, even over the television and the internet, and a yes. different hearing ability, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah. Um, do you have an explanation of how this happened? Of course. Of course. Yeah. Um, we had a, a program we used to call How to See and Perceive Energy. And I'm not sure we still sell that. I, I have to check with Jennifer, my business partner, to see if it's still there. But the teacher was explaining quite clearly that some people are kinesthetic and they feel energy. Some people hear what's going on energetically. I tend to be a knower. I just tend to know stuff. And I don't know how I know it, but I kind of know stuff. Yeah. Some people can actually smell or even taste energy. And so it can come through any of the senses. And so you don't want to block it. You say, okay, I can, I can smell it. This is what's going on. And yes, you're not limited because something's on television. One of the, see, in my latest book called The Secret Nature of Matter, what I found out was even a photograph of an object can hold the energy and intention that I put into the object. That all objects, glass, plastic, rubber, paper, pebbles, water, all material objects can hold energy and intention. And then I discovered the, a, a way to test it empirically. And that was that if I just touched somebody with an object that was charged, would it un permanently untwist their hips and cranial bones? And if, and if it was a yes, okay, it worked. And if it was a no and it didn't work, well, that. Like, for example, if I had a piece of paper and I meditated on the paper and I touched it with the paper, it worked. But if I burn the paper and I touched you with the ashes, it didn't do anything. If I had water and I meditate on the water and you touch the water, it works. But what if I boil the water and let the water cool? It still worked. I don't make up the rules. Okay. And then what about the water that evaporated in the lid of the pot? 
No, it didn't hold the information anymore because once it evaporated, like erased it. What about ice turning back to water? That still held it. And so I got to do 58 experiments to explore that intersection of matter and consciousness. In this book, The Secret Nature of Matter, is my most mind-blowing book ever because of the implications. And the major implication is we are all spiritual beings. Our love is valuable. Our love actually has impact on other people. And it's the most important resource that we have. And so that, that was my latest book. And so, wow. How is it necessary to be with the person to direct energy towards them, healing energy? Let me ask you a question. Yes. If you love somebody and they're 5,000 miles away, can you still love them? Yes, yes, yes. you love them any less? No, no. No, no, not at all. Well, the distance is an illusion. The love is what's real. And the love isn't electromagnetic like some of these groups would want to say, oh, well, it's electromagnetic field of the heart chakra and all that kind of, <laughs> yes. It isn't that at all. We're spiritual beings and our love connects us all together. You think that Facebook or the internet has a lot of connections. We're much more connected than anybody could ever imagine. Yes. The network of love on this planet is unfathomable. And if you want to send energy to someone you love, they're right there now with you, energetically. There's no distance between you and someone you love, energetically. Yeah, physically, they may be on the other side of the world or on the moon, but it makes no difference energetically, or their skepticism makes no difference either. Okay. Does it, does it work in, the, in the, a negative sense as well? Like if someone uh, loathes, loathes somebody, if you like, is it, the negative things happen as well. Like if we talk about positives, of positive energy you know, for healing, but is, it, is there a flip side to the coin? Well, here's the thing. The, the painful, angry, hurtful, wounded energy is nowhere near as powerful as the love. The love is connected to source. And it's thousands of times more powerful. I mean, you can't flood a room with darkness. You can only turn on a light. The light is where the power is. The darkness is the absence of light. Right. And so people can try to send their dark stuff, but it really is impotent compared to the light. So for example, We've had people who work in a job where everybody's miserable. One woman in particular, she gets to this very unhappy job, but she's in a really good mood that morning. So instead of starting her work, she's holding papers, pretending to be working while she's flooding the whole place with her joy and love. And she starts hearing really weird conversations like, well, I don't know why I'm in such a good mood today. Nothing good has happened. <laughs> and people are complaining about how good they felt. Right. We have more power than we know. Our love really has an impact on other people. But all the people who have trained us have led us to believe that your love isn't valuable, that it doesn't have impact. In fact, if you think about who hurt you the most in your life, 
just that one or two people that really hurt you, the message they always gave you was your love wasn't valuable. Your love didn't matter. Your love wasn't enough. But that's the most painful message you can give somebody. But the truth is exactly the opposite. Your love is the most valuable resource that there is. And when we honor that, and then we focus and amplify it, and we raise it up, and then we project it to other people, mm. that's when the magic happens. And you get out of the way and just let it, let it go, and you blast it out there, and we see miracles. And virtually every single quantum touch practitioner who's been doing it for any length of time has a handful or more of miracles that they can talk about, of sessions that they gave, gave that just didn't even make any sense. The one that just popped in my head was the guy that was working on his girlfriend and she had broken her baby toe, which was bigger than her big toe. And it was all mm. kinds of crazy colors. Yeah. And so they're watching a movie. And during the movie, he has her foot on his lap and he's just doing the, doing the work. At the end of the movie, the toe had shrunk back to its normal size and they went dancing. We don't know the limits of what's possible. There are so many amazing things that people can do. People with severe burns, we just see crazy miracles with that. We had an extraordinary story. Hey, when I was last in China, last time I was there, I, there was a lot of things going on that I didn't understand. And one of them was why they were introducing me to an 11 month old little girl and why everybody was crying. Turns out they bring me this girl, she's got a really round face, really cute, and she's smiling and she's grabbing my finger and smiling at me. And <laughs> here comes Debbie, she likes the story. And <laughs> so what happened was they explained to me what the story was. And the story was when she was a little infant, the babysitter shook her to get her to stop crying and gave her severe brain damage, and they thought she was gonna die. And then the parents knew Quantum Touch, and the instructors and the community all gave the girl local and distant healing sessions, and she recovered. And they said when I met her, that she was about 90% better. And hmm. since then, just a few months ago, I saw a video of her, she's about four years old, she's climbing a slide and she's sliding down laughing and she's fine. We, to know this kind of skill and not share it is crazy. Mm. To know that this is possible and utilize it is essential. Right. Now, Lawrence Lee has asked a very good question. Um, what about situations of genetic defects? at birth? Well, we don't know the limits of what's possible. And what people call genetic defects may be more fluid. The um, epigenetics, uh, how the genes express themselves, okay. are very fluid to change. And so, you know, it depends how old the person is and how long they've had the condition, what's what's there and maybe there's something for them to learn in that condition they chose to come in in this lifetime or maybe there's something that can be fixed we can't generalize but that's why i would love to see a hundred million dollars of research 
a new branch of science called life force science, where we can take every kind of situation and explore it with real scientists who can do the lab work and, and really investigate this thoroughly and find out what does this work best for? How can we help people who've got wide ranges of conditions? This is like a new branch of science. Mm. Life force science would be an area of study that would transform the world more profoundly perhaps than our awareness of electricity because the real electricity is our love mm. not just this zip, zip stuff that makes vacuum cleaners work in computers mm. because when people get old and or, or they're dying they don't think about i didn't get enough resources in my life i didn't make enough money they think about who they love and who they didn't love and they think about the things that really matter well this is all about love this is all about what really matters and when you can amplify your love and compassion empathy and project it and have it have a real powerful immediate impact on other people that's significant and this is a world changing technology that's been underutilized up to this point I wonder um, who the first people were who discovered this type of healing. I wonder just how far back we go. You know, you can find references to hands-on healing that date back a couple thousand years or more. Right. Of laying on of hands and such like this. Mm. And the truth is, and this is my personal perspective, is everybody out there can put their hands on somebody they love sandwich the part that hurts, take some deep breaths and hold it for five or 10 minutes and you're gonna start seeing results because it is that basic. Now, you can learn a lot more and become much more powerful with quantum touch, but without any magical attunements or magical symbols or permission or in tens of thousands of dollars or anything, just put your hands on somebody and breathe and feel what you feel in your hands and, and just have the intention of helping them which is why you had your hands there in the first place. You don't even have to have a big intention. You wouldn't have put your hands there if you didn't have the intention. This is so automatic. And yet it opens up vistas of understanding and possibilities that the world has not yet considered possible. <laughs> Lawrence Lee asks another question. What is the estimated percentage that have been helped through quantum touch I would say more than 90% of people who want some benefit of quantum touch are getting it it's very rare that you don't see some benefit okay I did a study with the men's basketball team at the University of California Santa Cruz and of a hundred conditions that I worked on every single one responded and an average 10-minute session reduced their pain by 50% because they wanted to get back on the court. They didn't want me to finish. They just wanted to feel good enough they could run back on the court. Sprained ankles often took over an hour. And um, there's just a wide range of things. The 50 pain conditions we dealt with in our last study that we published, 100% of the conditions responded. And most people are excited about quantum touch for pain relief and accelerating the body's soft healing mechanism. But I'm excited because of what it teaches us about who and what we are and what's possible. 
Tav Keen is um, asking which countries do you teach? Is there on your website a list of the countries where you have conf- uh, sessions for training? Well, yeah, we, we have a long list of instructors and practitioners all around the world. And I used to teach often, but then, you know, if you keep doing something too many times, the mind wants to learn something new and not just keep repeating yourself. And then I started upsetting the teachers because people would wait to take my class and not take it from all the other teachers. So I've kind of temporarily or actually for a long time retired from me teaching. And now we've got hundreds of instructors teaching around the world. And that's how we can spread so far because I don't even like traveling that much. And, and so it takes a lot to get me out the door. Yes. But it's, it's so beautiful that one out of every so many students wants to share it with other people and they become certified practitioners and certified instructors and then they get it out to more people as well. Is there a list of which places, which locations? Yeah, it, it's all there on the website. Okay. Just navigate it a little bit, click all the buttons and you'll see where it is. And we've got practitioners and instructors all around the world. And if we don't have somebody in your area, find one of the more popular instructors and invite them out. Gather <laughs> a dozen people. They'll probably be really happy to fly out and come teach your workshop. And so it's always available to learn anywhere because there are so many instructors who'd love to come wherever you are and have a wonderful trip and meet some great people and, and share their inspiration. What you've achieved in, in your, well, since 1978 is quite amazing because you've extended your ability to, the, to so other people can become empowered with, with what yeah. you've learned, but also you've, ex, you've extended it by training other people so that it, it's become like an explosion. Well, they train other people who train other people who train other people. So we have many generations now of teachers. And we also have a lot of quality control in the system because I made a video a long time ago, which was the basic level one quantum touch workshop. And all the instructors have to watch that video a couple times and, and really know exactly what I said. So they're not making up new things. They're not saying, well, you have to talk to the fairies or something, you know, have to hold the crystal in the left hand. For a while, we were having our instructors wanting to make up their own stuff. Yeah. And then we, 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 we like the idea that we want to give them as much freedom, but we also want to keep them on track. So we make sure that everybody who's teaching is really covering the proper curriculum. And if they want to teach something about nutrition or angels or whatever they're excited about, they say, I'm going to talk about something I'm excited about after the workshop's over and you're welcome to stick around. Mm. But they make it clear that this is not part of the quantum touch curriculum. Mm. And then they can share that. But we feel it's very important that all the teachers are covering the important points. Plus, my books cover all these points too. And if one of the teachers starts teaching a lot of stuff that isn't in my book, they'll tell the teacher and say, hey, Richard didn't talk about that. And they might even tell the office and say, hey, they're telling us about uh, how to talk to angels. And say, well, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just not what we're teaching. Mm. So let's keep it on track. So we keep all the teachers 
on track through this work without having to get heavy handed about it. Unless they say, well, I'm the only real teacher and I'm teaching the real stuff. Then, then we have to get a little more heavy handed and say, look, either stop doing it or leave. So then we've had a few of those, but very few. Yeah, there are things happen in life. That, um, people look quite often colorful. <laughs> There's lots, oh, yes, of, well. lots of different colors. Yes. Yeah, but what, what, what you, what you've achieved since 1978 is quite remarkable. It's really learning what you've learned you've done so much. Well, thank you. Yeah, you know, but, it's funny because from where I sit, I feel like I barely started because I just moved here to Arizona and I've been writing letters to be able to show anybody at the University of Arizona what I've discovered. Haven't been able to show anybody yet. Wow. I want, and so I, I finally connected with a woman in the physiology department who's in the administration and she, you know, it's kind of going to bat for me. And I said, look, I've got an undocumented human ability that I can teach anybody that's visible, measurable, empirically obvious. And I'd like to show some people. And she, and she said, well, let me talk to the director. So she talked to the director and the director said, well, here's this one person on staff who'd probably be interested. And so I wrote back to them and said, hey, I had already sent her two letters and she isn't responding to me. So I'm waiting to hear back and see yeah. if I can negotiate to show anybody at the university a new human ability that hasn't been stuck. Well, the resources of a university, think of a large university, is how many people, how many uh, professors are there, and they yeah. can't spare one for one hour. No, it takes five minutes. This five is, minutes. This is similar to the story you're saying before, where this, you showed someone something which said, which was a paradigm of a, you know, mind, mind-blowing thing for them, and they just walk away. That's, that's, I, I've seen it often. I was at this place called the uh, Consciousness Conference, mm. where hundreds of scientists from all over the world come, and my friend had made me a big sign, and the sign said, "Consciousness affects matter." Free demo. And this guy says, all right, what do you got? Yeah. And I said, well, I'm going to untwist your hips without touching you. He said, well, that's impossible. I said, great, hold that thought. So I measured him. I said, oh, my goodness, your hips are more out of alignment than almost anybody I've ever seen in my life. I said, to make it hard on me, why don't you kind of tighten up, lock your hips? So he stands tight, and I meditate, and I measure. Oh, look, it's completely even. He said, well, of course. You used reverse psychology on me. Uh, and I said, well, do you consider, see, I'm rude now. Now I'm getting a little rude. And I said, well, do you consider yourself an empirical scientist or faith-based? Mm. He said, well, empirical, of course. I said, great. Then why don't you watch me do this five or ten more times and see if I use reverse psychology? Mm. He said, well, if I let myself believe this just happened, everything I know about science oh. would fall like that would fall like a house of cards. Uh, and I said, as an empirical scientist, don't you want to let the cards fall where they will? He gave me the perfect metaphor, right? Yeah. And he thought about it for a few seconds. You know what he said? Not today. And he just walked away. And so this is what happens when you show somebody something they can't accept that violates the materialistic view of reality that everything can be measured with math, physics, or understood through logic. This is the core 
of the materialistic modern science perspective. This is what I don't like to call it exactly a religion, but it's the dogma. It's the worldview of science. Math, physics, and logic will explain everything, yeah. and there can be no mystery. Well, do you love your wife? Well, of course I do. Well, explain that with math, physics, and logic. Well, there's brain chemistry and, blah, blah, and hormones, and yeah. really, that's what your love is? Your love is brain chemistry and hormones? <laughs> that all your love is? I mean, we can give you an injection of something else and you wouldn't love her anymore or you would love her more? It's so ridiculous. Yeah, but this is what the intellectualism has turned to. It's all about logic and what they call mechanism. And if you can't show somebody a logical mechanism of how you got from point A to point B, can't be real, don't have to look at it, I don't see anything here, because it violates their fundamental assumptions. It's so sad, isn't it? It really is sad. It's what's holding us back. They I should, know. They Can you to... imagine if, if, if some philanthropist put the billion dollars out and said, all right, let's change the world. And what we now have is every university in the world has now a department where they're studying health, consciousness, what we can actually do, how we can evolve and become more, how we can serve one another, how we can have a planet of loving beings who are creating beauty and, and healthy environments and seeing what actually works, not what, what's my philosophy and my political perspective say works, what actually works. And you try it out in different places and say, well, we're seeing these good things here, we're seeing that good thing here, and nothing good over there. Let's see if we can combine those two and start working on what is really true and what actually works. Not all this dogma that, that has polluted the world and dirtied the rivers and the air and killed so many of the animals. What can we do to make this world an extraordinary and amazingly fantastic place to live? We need visionaries. And we need resources to make that happen. We can barely afford the research that we've been able to put out. We'd like to multiply that times a thousand. Well, you're probably doing this in a way because through extension, people going to your workshops, you're empowering them. They are um, a resource as well. Even the it's, it's happening, but very, very, very slowly mm. because there's, Another 100,000 people more every day than there was the day before. Okay. When you add up the ones who died and the ones who were born, there's 100,000 more people every day. We're not keeping up with, you know, we, we represent probably a hundred or a thousandth of 1% of the people of the world. We're not, we're not visible on a world scale yet. Now that could change tomorrow but it isn't there yet. And that's what I'm really passionate about is getting into the universities, getting the thinkers of the world to open up the idea that there is something new under the sun. This was what Galileo faced. You know, he, he saw something. He saw the phases of Venus. And then he did the math where Earth was and where Venus was and calculated that the sun must be the earth must be rotating around the sun. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I know. Who would have thought? Obviously, the earth is the center of the universe, and God only cares about the earth. Yeah, that's right. 
But the idea was heretical at the time. Yes. And this, what I'm doing now is heretical to the traditional scientists. It's heretic. You're a heretic. You know, how dare you suggest? When I went to the Science of Consciousness conference a few months back, they published everybody's crazy abstract, no matter how ridiculous it was, about their beliefs or what they saw. Mine was the only blank page in the book. It went from page 183 to 185. And my name was going to be on page 184. And they eliminated it because they knew what I was doing. The leaders of the conference wouldn't even talk with me. One of them would just make grunting noises and turn away when I talked to him. The other one, the other leader of the conference, he would humor me for 20 seconds and say, oh, I'm really busy. I've got another appointment. And then yeah, yeah. my friend who had known him for 20 years said, David, I've been to his seminars. This stuff really works. And he said, really? <laughs> and that was as far as I got. But it, it's really interesting to show people things that they're not ready to see because they'll show you that they're not ready to see it yet. I'm hoping that there's people that are watching this video now, people that are in positions that can help you make that, Love it. Make that change. Yeah. Well, you know, I've only been doing this for about 45 years. So I figure any decade now, Quantum Touch is going to be an overnight success. <laughs> any decade now, let's hope it's going to be this one. Thank you so much for um, spending your time with us, Richard Gordon. Oh, Nick, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's been fun interviewing you. You're, you're, you're very enjoyable to talk to. And, oh, and obviously very, very knowledgeable. I am going to uh, buy your book, which would be the best book to buy, you think, for someone? Well, if you want to work, if you want to start moving the energy and doing healing work, Quantum Touch, The Power to the Heal, is the level one workshop. Okay. And I don't hold anything back, so you can just immediately start doing it. But then when you attend the workshop, you'll have a lot more confidence and you'll kind of get more of a sense of how to actually do it. But I don't hold anything back. If you want to understand the intersection of matter and consciousness, yes. um, my latest book called The Secret Nature of Matter is the most mind-blowing thing I've ever written. I would never have imagined that this stuff was real three years ago. If somebody had told me that, recently. that this stuff was real. I Actually, a friend at a party, at a Thanksgiving party, said that he made a movie of himself doing healing sessions and people would feel it. And I go, come on. I, he said, test it. So that led me to my 58 experiments where I discovered conscious entanglement, that you can join objects in your mind. I discovered so many things in this process, even a test that showed a new explanation for homeopathy. There's a world of things to discover, but the world isn't looking because it doesn't match <laughs> your beliefs or expectations. Wow. Well, it's okay. So that's our challenge. People that are watching this video now, we've got to make that change and make it um, happen. So, this, this decade, Richard, let's see, we're 2018, before 2028, if this video is still out of 2028, we'll be living in a world which is fully aware of the uh, quantum touch. <laughs> yeah, and that ordinary people in elementary schools, every university, every hospital, and every uh, child knows yes. how to do this. Yes.
Every yeah. university studies it, every hospital employs it, and every child learns it. Yes. Let's hold that vision. 2028, before 2028. Yeah. Thank so you. So we got some work yet. <laughs> we'll make it happen. Thank you once okay. again, Richie. Goodbye. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.